Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Take out your Bible and go to the book of Deuteronomy, please. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1. And uh, man, it has just been a good, good morning. Amen? It's been a good, good morning, and I just uh, am so thankful for what God's doing in the life of our church um, and how um, He's just blessing us. I know um, last week we had Starting Point at our church, which Starting Point is an introduction to our church, what we believe, what our mission is, what our vision is, and what our ministries are. And uh, we had 17 people decide to become members of First Baptist Church last Sunday. Maybe you're tired of clapping, okay? Well, um, a few months ago, we had Starting Point, and um, we had 31 join our church at that time. And so God's doing some great things. We saw that with the families this morning. Um, last couple weeks ago, we had five baptisms. We got several more um, that want to be baptized. And so I'm telling you, God's doing some great things here. Um, Henry Blackaby, one of my favorite authors who wrote the Bible study, Experiencing God, many of you may be familiar with that, Uh, but in that study he said this, he said um, that if you see where God is working or where God is moving, then you go join him there. Well, I tell you that God's moving at First Baptist Church. Uh, God is moving and he is doing some great things. And so thank you uh, to this church for being a church that, uh, that believes in raising up the next generation and that believes in, in the power of uh, the preached word of God and, and not bowing to culture. Amen? That we don't bow to culture, we will only bow our knee to the Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. And, and really, that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about transitions. Say the word transitions with me on the count of three. One, two, three, transitions. Now, what's a transition? A transition is a change or a shift from one state to another. It's, it's, it's a move. It's a It's a period or a phase in which change is happening. It's that that in-between space from point A to point B. Um, All of you parents and grandparents, you have heard your son, your daughter, your grandchild say this at one point, are we there yet? Anybody familiar with that phrase? Are we there yet? That's in, that takes place in the middle of a transition. I found uh, a meme just the other day. I thought it was pretty good. Um, are we there yet? How about now? That reminds me of my cat every morning when I wake up. I hate cats. And, uh, but we're all familiar with the phrase, are we there yet? Because we're in the midst of a transition, and when you're in the middle of a transition, it, it, it can be frustrating. It can be difficult, like, what's going to happen? When, when are we going to get from point A to point B, or when are we going to reverse and go back? And, and there can be some frustrating moments in, in that time of transition. Well, after last week's leak of a Supreme Court of the United States document stating the possibility of overturning Roe versus Wade, and then watching our nation lose its mind. Folks, I stand before you this morning to say this, that our country is in the middle of a transition. This transition has been going on for years, and we're seeing the fruit of that transition. We have moved from point A, 
which is a country that was founded upon truth with a capital T. Now, we have never been a nation without faults. Amen? We have never claimed to be faultless. We have never claimed to be perfect. Not one founder of our nation ever said that we were perfect. Not one. As a matter of fact, our founders said this, that we are mortal men who have sin in our lives. But they agreed to found a nation based upon the truth, capital T. What was the basic truth that our country was raised upon? That God exists and that he wants to be involved in your life. This is the basic premise, that God exists and that he wants to be involved in your life. But for years, we have moved from point A and we are moving to point B, which is a godless society that prefers self-autonomy over submission to God and his word. And many a believer has asked the question, are we there yet? Paul wrote to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said this, For there will come a time when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. I have a question for you. Are we there yet? We are there. Are y'all with me this morning? Are y'all here? We stand today on Mother's Day 2022, we stand in the midst of a transition where we have United States senators who one is a pastor who has publicly gone against scripture and is applauded. We are where Paul said we would be. And so that leaves us as a church, as the people of God, asking the question, what do we do now? What do we do? We've seen the nation lose its mind and go crazy over a leaked document. And by the way, nobody is complaining about the fact that somebody stabbed the Supreme Court in the back by releasing a document which is a sin in and of itself. So where do we find ourselves now? Well, that's why we come to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter one, verses one through five. The book of Deuteronomy is known as a book of transitions. Whenever you come to the book of Deuteronomy, there's, there's basically three transitions that have taken place, um, that are taking place in this, in this book that we really don't read a lot or preach a lot upon. But in the book of Deuteronomy, there are three great transitions. You have a transition from one generation to the next generation. Many of you may remember this story from the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, God's people, they escape Pharaoh's army and they, they escape through the Red Sea by God delivering them through that and then uh, the people of Israel make their way um, up to the border of the promised land. And God uh, says, you know, or Moses says, send in 12 spies to find out what's going on. And, and the 12 spies come back and 10 of them says, we can't take this land. Two of them says, we can take this land. But the nation decided to reject what God was giving them. 
And God said, because of that, I'm sending you into exile for 40 years, meaning you are going to be in transition from what you should have been going into to where I am now sending you. And for 40 years, they're in transition. Well, here in the book of Deuteronomy, as we begin this chapter, we make the transition. The old is gone, and now the new generation has arisen up. A new generation is now on the border, on the steps of the promised land. There's a transition in the new generation. There's a transition of leadership. By the end of this great book, Moses, the great leader of Israel, is going to be dead. So somebody has to replace him. And so we know that his replacement, his name is Joshua. So there's a new transition of leadership. And then ultimately the book of Deuteronomy is a transition into new experiences. Because the people of Israel are about to enter into the new land which they were promised. New land, new houses, new tents, new food, new everything. The book of Deuteronomy is a book of transitions. Just as our country is in a time of transition. Um, Carl R. Truman, who wrote a book titled Strange New World, which I highly recommend you to read. Carl Truman in Strange New World wrote this, people today are willing to believe ideas that every one of our grandparents would have rejected out of hand without need of argument, evidence, or proof just two generations ago. Transition. What do we do? What do we do? Well, look at what Moses did. And look at what Moses, how he leads the people, God's people, as he leads them through a time of transition. Are you with me? Look at verse number one, chapter one, book of Deuteronomy. These are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel across the Jordan in the wilderness, in the Arabah opposite Suf, between Paran and Tophel, and Laban, and Hazroth, and Dehizabab. It is 11 days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Sair to Kadesh Barnea. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the children of Israel according to all that the Lord had commanded him to give to them. This was after he had defeated Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who lived in the Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth and Edrai. Um, this is the precursor to the Lord of the Rings, by the way, that verse. <laughs> verse 5, and this is what I want us to focus in for the next just a few minutes. In verse 5, it says this, Across the Jordan in the land of Moab, look at this, Moses undertook to expound this law. In verse number 5, we see what Moses does or what Moses did in a time of transition. And what our text tells us is that Moses, in this time of transition, he undertook to expound this law. There's two things I want you to see in verse 5, and both of them have to do with the Hebrew words. I want you to underline the word undertook. Underline the word undertook. It's the Hebrew word y'all, Y-A-A-L. And it means this, willingly and determined to speak. So I want you to get this picture. In the midst of a transition, Moses willingly decided to stand up and speak. Do you get the picture? He decided that I'm going to take this on and I am going to speak. I willingly do it 
and I'm determined to do it. Well, what is he going to speak? Well, the text tells us he's going to speak the law. What's the law? It's the words of God. And so in a time of transition, Moses stands up willingly and determinedly to say this to the nation, I'm going to tell you what God says. Today, we need that. Today, we need men, we need women, we need boys and girls to stand up and say, no, this is what the Word of God says. You may say one thing, but this is what my God says. World, you may lose your mind, but let me tell you what God says. And we need men, we need women, we need churches who are willing to stand up to speak. Now, how does he speak? Here's the second word I want you to underline. It's the word expound. Look at that word, the word expound. It is the Hebrew word ba'er, B-A-A-R. And here's what ba'er means. So Moses decides to stand up. He is willing to do it. He's going to speak the law, but he's going to expound it. Expound means this, ba'er means this, to make plain, to speak clearly so that everyone understands. As a pastor, as a preacher, um, one of the things that I want to do is to correctly handle the Word of God, and I want to study it so that I can make it clear to you, so that I can make it clear to those that, that I teach, that, that I am uh, in charge of by what God has given to me. Um, preachers call this um, expository preaching. Which means you read the text, find out what the text says, and then make it claim to the people so they know what God says. And again, what does he expound? He expounds the word of God. And what Moses does in times of transition, when things are difficult, is that he goes back to the people and he explains to them what God has already said. Are y'all with me this morning? Am I making, am I expounding? In times of transition, listen, in times of transition, we need clarity. And we need clarity according to what God's word says. And so today, we need to go back and find out what God's word says about life, about the unborn Abortion has been the number one topic all week. So what do God's people do? We go back to God's word and we say, what does it say? That's what we believe. Tony Evans, one of my favorite, um, says this. He's a strong pro-life proponent. <clears throat> he said this, the issue of pro-life versus pro-choice is a theological issue, not a cultural issue. You in agreement with that? It's a theological issue, not a cultural issue. Why is it a theological issue, not a cultural issue? Because the culture changes. The Word of God never changes. So here's four things I want to share with you this morning regarding the unborn. From what Scripture says, I want to expound the law as the best that I can so that we may be clear in this time of transition. Number one, I want you to write this down. Number one, the unborn are created by God. The unborn are created by God. Go over to um, Psalm chapter 139. Go to Psalm chapter 139. Um, and Psalm 139 is probably the greatest chapter um, in the Bible um, regarding, regarding being created by God. Follow along in your copy of God's Word. Verse 13 says this. For you formed my inward parts, 
You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. Now stop there for just a second. Are there any qualifiers as to who is considered fearfully and wonderfully made? Thank you. No. Thank you. No. Are there any qualifiers? There's none. Notice that uh, the psalmist does not say, for those of you who are born with every appendage, you're considered fearfully and wonderfully made. Does it say that? No. Does it say those who are, are, who, 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 who are, who are born with, uh, without deformities, you're the one who are, are fearfully and wonderfully made? Does it say that? No. It says this. For you are fearfully and wonderfully made, which means it's every man, every woman, every boy and girl, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That word fearfully in Hebrew is the word Yahweh, and here's what it means. It means awesome. It means awesome. So the scripture says, you are awesome. Look at your neighbor and say, you are awesome. Now look back at the person who said that to you and say, yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, you're awesome. You're, you're awesome because that's what the text says. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are awesome because God created you. Verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you, O God, when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Uh, that phrase, skillfully wrought, it literally means to be made with a needle. It means that somebody took the needle and they formed you. Somebody with their hand who had the skill to create you and deform you when you couldn't see it, when you didn't know that you even existed. Somebody took a needle and they formed you. Because you are skillfully wrought and you are awesome. Verse 16, your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. The very first thing that scripture tells us about the unborn and about life is this. You were created by God even when man cannot see you. Even when an ultrasound cannot see you. You were created by God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. The second thing that the Bible will teach us about the unborn is this. The Bible connects conception with birth. All throughout Scripture, the Bible makes a connection between conception and birth. In other words, the Bible teaches that life begins at conception. That's what the Bible teaches. Well, how did you get that, Pastor? Well, let me show you. Go to Genesis chapter four. Go to Genesis chapter four, verse one. I only have 16 points this morning, okay? It's 11.30. I'm joking. I've got four with multiple subpoints. Um, <laughs> go to Genesis chapter four. Let me, let me share with you what I'm talking about. The Bible connects conception with birth. 
Chapter 4, verse 1, talking about uh, Adam and Eve. And it said this, she, Eve, conceived and she gave birth to Cain. You see it? Conceive and birth. There's a connection. That connection means that life comes. Look over at verse number 17 in Genesis chapter 4. This talks about Cain. Adam and Eve's son, Cain. His wife, conceived and gave birth. There's another connection. Conceive and then birth. You see that all the way through. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 21 uh, says this, the Lord visited Hannah and she conceived and she gave birth. Over and over and over in Scripture, we see that, uh, when, uh, that there is conception and that there is birth. We tie those together. Isaiah 8 verse 3 talks about it. Hosea 1 8 talks about it. And so for us in this moment of transition when our world and our country is losing our mind about the unborn, we as the people of God have to go back to what God's Word says. And here's the reality. Some of those who have lost their mind last week over this potential uh, overruling of Roe v. Wade, some of that has come from believers who do not understand what God's Word says. We need to know what God's Word says, and God's Word says this. He created life, and that life begins at conception. Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Any of you may know this verse, but Jeremiah 1, verse 5 says this, and this is a, a new under, or a deeper understanding of, of God creating and, and birth, uh, conception to birth. He says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated. So even before, he, even before there was conception, he knew who you were. Meaning this, that the womb is not designed to be a tomb. That's what God's Word says. He created you. He created you. And then there is this connection between conception with birth. Here's number three. Unborn babies are called babies in the Bible. The unborn are called babies. Look with me in Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, would you go over there? In Luke chapter 1, I want to show you this. There's a reason why I, um, <clears throat> I like to Greek out, okay? And there's a method to my madness, okay? But in Luke 1 verse 41, I want you to look at this. Uh, this is... The idea is John the Baptist and Jesus, they're, they're all in this time frame together. Verse 41 says this, when Elizabeth, that's John the Baptist's mother, heard Mary's greeting because Mary has just come to visit them. Mary has just found out that she's going to give birth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, do you see it? The baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Once you underline that word baby. The, the Greek word for baby right here is brephos. B-R-E-P-H-O-S. And right here in verse number 41, it represents an unborn baby. It represents that John the Baptist in his mother's womb did a somersault. Moms, have you ever felt that before? So what John the Baptist did, did a somersault. The Greek word is brephos. Now look over at Luke chapter 2. Go to Luke chapter 2. 
Uh, I want you to look at verse 12, and then we're going to look at verse number 16. <clears throat> verse number 12 says this, this will be a sign for you, you will find a, what's that word? Baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Jump down to verse number 16, talking about the shepherds. So they came in a hurry, and they found their way to Mary and Joseph, and the, what's that word? Baby as he lay in the manger. So here in chapter 2, we're talking about a, a baby that is in the womb or outside the womb? Outside the womb. Guess what Greek word is used here? It's brephos. It's the same word. It's the same word to describe or to identify something or somebody in the womb, not a something, that was a mistake, that was an accident. Somebody in the womb, a baby in the womb versus outside the womb. You will never see in scripture calling a baby a mass. You will never see in scripture identifying a baby in the womb as something that, that can cause you ill. Meaning every time that there is a conception in scripture, it's celebrated. Because that's part of God's plan from the very beginning. Adam and Eve, what are you to do? You are to be fruitful. What does fruitful, fruitful mean? It means to conceive and to give birth. So whenever there is conception and whenever there is birth, it is all celebrated. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. Are y'all still with me? Are y'all good? <clears throat> is this helpful for you? Don't say no because then I'll just sit down. Somebody say, preacher, keep preaching. It's 1140. You really sure about that? <laughs> Look at 2 Timothy 3, 14. 2 Timothy 3, 14. And, and this is what it says. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, you, however, continue in the things that you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from, what's that word? Childhood. Guess what Greek word that is? Three of you got it. It's brephos. Do you see the connection? Do you see what the Bible says about, about the unborn and about the born? It's a human being. The seed is a human being that begins at conception. And scripture says that which is conceived must give birth because that's life. That brings life. And so we have to stand up today and say, listen, world, you lose your mind. Pro-choice activists, I, 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 we hear you, we, we love you, but we're going to tell you what God's word says. God's word says you were fearfully and wonderfully made. And we're going to tell you that life begins at conception. Well, the sonogram, I, 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 don't, I don't care what the sonogram says. At conception, life begins. And, and we're going to tell you that, that the Bible does not see a difference between the unborn and the born. They are called children. 
And the Bible says that all children, listen, listen to me, all children are a gift from God. All children are a gift from God. Again, is there a qualifier to that scripture? No. Well, the only qualifier is all. Listen, it doesn't mean only children conceived in marriage are gifts. Are you with me? It doesn't say, well, if there was a tragedy and you got pregnant and you did not want to get pregnant, then you can just throw that away. The scripture doesn't say that. The scripture says all children are a gift from the Lord. They are a blessing from the Lord. Now we mourn if there's a tragedy, amen? We weep, but we rejoice that life can come because you're created by God. And God's got a plan for every single person who has ever lived. Well, here's, here's the last thing. This one's, this one's gonna be tough. This one's gonna be tough. But I hear my pastor's heart on this. My goal is to expound the law so that we may know and understand because we need people to stand up for the truth. In Exodus chapter 21, I want you to go there. Exodus chapter 21, verses 22 through 23. This is a tough passage, but we don't shy away from tough passages. And here's the point. The life of the unborn is protected by the same punishment for death as a child or an adult. Now, let, let me stop here for just a second and say this. If there is somebody here this morning who has participated in the death of the unborn by choice, by pressure, whatever, and I know that I know that's a possibility in a group this size, and please know that there is no harm or condemnation on my end, okay? And I'm gonna talk about that in just in the, in the next few minutes, but I, I, wanna be, I wanna honor God's word. Look at verse 22. It says, if men struggle with each other, meaning they fight, and they strike a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely. Yet there's no injury. He shall surely be fined as the woman's husband may demand of him, and he shall pay as the judges decide. Does that make sense? So two men fight, they accidentally bump into a woman, and she gives birth. She gives birth. The Hebrew word here used for birth prematurely means early birth. So she gives birth to the child, nothing happens to the child, then just pay, pay the damages. But look at verse 23. But if there is further injury, then you appoint as a penalty life for life. The context is this. If that child who was born prematurely because it was, because the woman was hit in the middle of a fight, it means that because a life was lost, another life must be taken. 
Are you tracking with me? So, when we say that abortion is a woman's right, we are completely misunderstanding Scripture. Well, that means you're putting down women. No, no, actually, no, it's not. It's actually elevating women. Well, you're saying, Pastor, that the women don't have self-autonomy. They can do whatever they want to do with their body. Well, technically, anybody can do whatever they want to do with their body. Isn't that right? You can do whatever you want to do with your body. But as believers in Jesus Christ, there's limits. And as people of God, we have to stand up for the word of God. Abortion is a serious issue. It's a very serious issue. And students, young people who are in here this morning, um, you, you need to know these four points. Because you are walking in a mess that my generation and prior, we, we've created a mess. But we need to prepare you for the battle that you'll see out in the, out in the world. Well, let, me, let me give you my conclusion and then we're going to be done. Um, here's a few thoughts. Number one, parents, teach the Bible's view to your children. Some of you, I've I've said the word abortion, and I've probably made some of you squirm in your seat. I'm just going to tell you, your son or your daughter has already heard that. And they're hearing it at schools, and they're hearing the wrong view at school. So parents, you teach your children about life and how good life is. Second thing is this. You stand firm. You stand firm in the truth even though the world loses its mind. You stand firm. You stand firm. Number three, I'm going to challenge you to support the Skylark Ministries. Um, I think I have a baby bottle somewhere. Yeah. Um, Skylark Ministries is a, uh, obviously a pro-life ministry within the Golden Isles. Um, and today, and many other churches in our area, um, are helping support Skylark Ministries with a baby bottle um, fundraiser. Skylark, we're, we're strong supporters of it. I'm a strong supporter of it. <clears throat> they seek to help out uh, women and families <clears throat> who are dealing with unplanned pregnancies. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and they do a baby bottle fundraiser, begins on Mother's Day and ends on Friday, on Father's Day. Um, I challenge you, let's, let's knock it out of the park. Let's just knock it out of the park. You know, take a bottle, fill it up with cash, change, um, checks, whatever. Um, there's also a, a way you can do it virtually. I think we have information out at the welcome tent, but folks, I'm, I'm just telling you, if, if we as the God's people, if we, don't, if we don't do this, who's going to do it? Number four, here's what I ask. As I mentioned to you earlier, if you have ever been a part of an abortion or know somebody who's been a part of that, 
I pray that you accept God's forgiveness. God loves you. God loves you so much. And he offers you his love and his forgiveness so that you don't have to carry the burdens anymore. Will you accept his forgiveness? And, and church, for those, maybe we know somebody who's going through some difficult times, offer them God's forgiveness. I believe it's James who says this, mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's be merciful to those who are going through very difficult things. And last thing, remember this. Remember that Jesus really does love the little children. And let's protect those who can't protect themselves. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come before you. I thank you for who you are, and I pray that we will take this message to heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.